lunch at Wendy's with with Will Smith. What the hell did he eat? I think everybody ate the Wendy's single back then, right? Okay. The, the <laughs> stuff and Frosty or no? Imperial Schools on our podcast. I am Josh Folan, and this is another Order of Erdrich interview. And this time around, I have Greg Lauder, who was uh, a cohort of uh, another recent interview, E. Uh, Caesar Flori at Nintendo headquarters in the late 80s, early 90s, as one of the game counselors. Say hi, Greg. <laughs> hey, Josh, how are you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, so yes, thank you for doing this, and, and let's just rip into it. I don't have a, I unfortunately wasn't able to come up with a, a real banger like I had for Caesar right at the top, so it's going to be a little bit more of a slow burn getting into it, but uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get somewhere fun uh, soon enough. I had so, to wait until I got out of the Navy to grow a mullet, so. Oh, well, don't, hold on, don't, don't go there yet. We're not, that's, I got, let's get there. So let's slow, slowly get there. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so starting at Nintendo. So you you said you mentioned to me that you were in the very first training class, correct? I was. Yeah, there were some game counselors before me, but it was there was no training class, and so this was the okay. the first time that they, you know, put together a group of people. And I literally saw the ad in the in the in the newspaper, and and okay. uh, and we. And what were, were you doing at the time? What were you doing? I had just quit. I was working as a as the the head cook at a Red Robin, nice. And had been there for a couple of years. Great gig. I was still I was in the Navy Reserve then, also. And this was so did my you, first did you do four year? Did you do active duty somewhere? Or? I didn't. I did okay. eight years. I spent about a year and a half, two years on active because it was during Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Um. So, but yeah, no, I they. It was it was an interesting gig, and 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 I, I went in when I was seventeen, so you can imagine that that shock, and and it kind of slaps you around a little bit in a good way. But uh, so, but yeah, so this was my first office job, and and um, and I, I I I would put that in quotes, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, the, in the training class they had we were literally above the warehouse, and so this was uh, February of of eighty eight. And you can imagine they just came off that first big Christmas with the NES. And so below us are all the forklifts. And 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 so it's literally just like like bare wood floors. It's like a loft. Like you'd go into an existing warehouse now and they build that loft. But it was kind of built so they could kind of keep expanding it as they needed to. And we're up there. And it, some days you'd be up there and, and the fumes would come up. And you'd just be like – and there was – these training, ta- you know, like uh, banquet tables laid out with little 13-inch Sonys and, and NESs, and uh, and they would go through and basically say, "Here you go." And uh, the day I started there was the first time I ever played an NES. Really? Yeah. Really? No shit. I played How'd a lot you... of video games. Okay, yeah, I was gonna. Okay, yeah, so arcade dad... or? Well, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Arcade or? Oh yeah, a lot of arcade. Um, my dad actually worked for Magnavox, and so we had the original um, Odyssey One system in the early '70s, and then late '80s, uh, mid '80s had the had the Odyssey Two, 
And, um, and then my buddy had an Atari and, and all that kind of stuff. So we, I mean, I was very, very familiar with video games and, and, uh, but this was the first time I'd ever played an NES. So what was the very first cartridge? Did you get to pop the cartridge down or did they like hand you a controller and then you're going to learn how to play this first? No, it was, yeah, I don't think there were enough for all of us. I'd have to think a little hard to think how many were in there, but let's say 10 to 15. And I don't think they had enough cartridges for everybody to be doing the same one. So I think a group started, uh, I'm pretty sure mine was Super Mario. So it was the Super Mario Duck Hunt game. And, um, And so that's where I started. Of course, I'd played that a lot already. So that was cool and and then the um if you remember that uh the black book we had those the original um player's guide yeah player's guide thank With you the tabs on the side yeah. yeah didn't have one but man god damn did i want one <laughs> well at one point still do actually they used to get returned with the um with, when people would you know because they kind of re manufactured some of the consoles there and stuff and so the books would get returned sometimes with those and so at some point, um, we found boxes of those as seconds in the dumpsters. And um, a couple of those boxes may or may not have made it to my house. So um, <laughs> yeah. what I ended up doing was because they weren't available later on. So when the later training classes go on and I was a lead and I had a team, I would go into my stash and give them to my my guys. So everybody had one because, you know, those were before Nintendo Power, man, those books were done so well. Yeah, yep. I mean, no, they they were cool, and yes, the only you know, I've we've certainly talked a million times on the pod about how you know just the it's it's funny actually. I've I've somewhat revisited this I don't know kind of feel with the I have a quest, and I got on board with with that with the the Meta Quest headset at, at the two uh, a few years ago now. So the the weird and interesting thing about the quest landscape and it's changed a little bit now that it's become a little more mainstream and more people are getting them and stuff. So obviously more people are playing the games and in turn you get more coverage and just kind of tutorials and walkthroughs and what have you on the internet. But there are games like the shadow. I remember when I first got the Shadowgate VR game for the first, uh, probably two years ago now. And I got stuck on something that was, it wasn't even necessarily like a, a plot point in the game or a puzzle or something. It was just UI stuff, not understanding how something worked. And I got stuck and you go on the internet and there's no, an- no one's, there's no answer. <laughs> and like, that is a very different world when you can't get an answer to anything immediately. The second you start right. looking for it, you know, and it's just so wild to think how far removed from that we are uh, and and shocking when it slaps you in the face and, and happens again, I guess. <laughs> well, think of the underworld in, in Mario with um, I don't even know what it was, if it was three, four or four, four, where you had to go top, middle and bottom. And um, if you didn't know that and you made it that far in a game that you can't turn off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough, tough place to be as an eight-year-old yeah. man. You don't, you don't get uh, between more uh, uh, in a ro- between a rock and a hard place as an eight-year-old in a situation like that for sure. Yes, I have. I've told many a story of how Batman, I think, is probably my lead one for it, the Sunsoft Batman game of leaving that game on because there's no password system to it or anything so you can't come back and being at a certain place where you don't want to lose it but you have to go to bed or go to school or whatever and leaving the nintendo on but hiding something like basically hiding that it was on and putting something in front of it just so the off chance that mom notices and doesn't turn it off you know what i mean that's still turned (laughs) out 
like out of Absolutely. total fear or that there's the no going back to it. would unplug the controllers thinking the same thing you're thinking. And then as soon as they plugged them back in, it locked up. Right. Yep. Yeah. Can't handle that very oh. well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why baseball stars that you and Caesar were talking about. And maybe this will segue to some sports stuff. So is that's why that one was so great having, you know, what originally the Zelda or actually I think didn't Dragon Warrior first had the battery in it. And then uh, Zelda came before it, but same roundabout same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having that in there for, for baseball stars and their teams, you know, last time I plugged my cartridge in probably been 15 years ago or so, but the battery was still working. It's and, the, all of them. We talk about that all the time too. It was funny. We found articles. Actually, you know what? That issue 20 that we just did of Nintendo power, they did a really cool feature in there where they talked about the MMC chips and how the, the development of them from the one to the three or the one, two and that was punch out was the only game that ever got the two but then the three was super mario brothers three and and some of the the kind of second gen games and then they eventually got to the five for like castlevania three and what have you but they talked about the functionality of those but they also talked about the battery saves and they mentioned that at, at that time that their projection was that they would last about five ish five ish years those batteries and yes every i don't have a single battery that's failed on me i've heard stories of them failing but i have you know I don't know, 40 NES carts. I have a bunch of Genesis games also with battery saves and none of those things have ever failed on me, <laughs> which is wild, you know? Uh, well, you hope wild. when I pull it out the next time. So that's good. Right. So I actually didn't, I, I, I mentioned the Caesar too. I, I no, Baseball Stars is not, I was a big bases loaded two kid. Yeah. Me and my yeah. uncle would play a lot of that, but that was password based. It didn't have a battery save. So I didn't realize that Baseball Stars had a, a, a battery backup that's, Yes, very cool functionality for a sports game of the time. That was the whole thing with with Super Super Tecmo Bowl was that that had a battery in it, and that was a game changer for a football game, playing a whole season and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, before we get into sports games, though, actually more more about the the, the start of this. So, sure. do you have your binder? <laughs> I don't think I do. Um, no. I think I think have... is not definitive. <laughs> I have uh, uh, I have been contacted by a lot of collectors throughout the years. There's not too many louders out there, and um, have had uh, great uh, have sold some stuff throughout the years, and 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 they also have you know still have my uh, game counselor jacket sitting in the closet okay. here that that I wore on the Power Fest. Uh, wore out my Power Fest jacket. That's that's the one thing that's never I've never seen come up for sale is the is our Powerfest jackets uh, that were black and stuff. And I wore that every day for the next like five years. Yeah. Awesome. Afterwards. But so uh, somewhere in the back and I'm pointing back, it, you know, in my, my storage there, there is a box of, of, of stuff. And, and, and most of it is, is probably uh, the, the first uh, Nintendo world championship based. And, and I have a, a little eBay thing that tells me every time some of that stuff gets sold. And so it's getting less and less every time. But, but you know, it's part of it's just trying to get to that stuff and trying to find it. And, and it all kind of seemed to make it in one box and, and stuff. But I'm pretty sure I don't have my binder. Okay. okay. Well, that is unfortunate here. With, did, this is something I think is that having talked to Caesar, and he, he kind of mentioned that with his, like part of his training process was building that. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know, I guess I didn't really glean whether that was like a mandate or whether it's something he just took upon himself to initiate. But I'm curious whether that was something and, and honestly, kind of generally, maybe knowing being that you guys have known each other for a, a very long time. And I'm sure you've traded war stories. 
the differences between at least that you're aware of his training experience a year out a year ish after yours and yours yeah. being the very first one i'm presuming there was some development there. <laughs> right i mean i yeah. i helped train him so okay. it was uh and where i really i'll kind of work that backwards to answer your question where i did had really good and, and everything was they would send when they got through some of the actual games and things they would and they would send them and then they also did it for us to go you could kind of plug in and listen to other counselors and 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 monitor what they were doing and 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 that was really useful and so you'd spend a you know maybe around the time caesar did it probably a week or more just sitting there and doing that and then you know because you guys kind of got into a little bit is where it started out in the beginning we would just answer the phones you know there was no phone tree there was nothing you know you might go to something initially but it would just ring through and then later when caesar you know they talked about the board that would tell you how many calls were at and when super mario 3 came out and you know you'd have one line just for that so they would train people just on that so you could make it through christmas you know and then they'd kind of spread out but at the beginning it was just everything and so you'd get some of those really difficult calls so I think at his point, the building of the binder was part of that training process and graph paper. And he was exceptionally good at it, as he mentioned, and and, and would help out all, a lot of other people. And, and then eventually that went on the computer with the Elmo system. And um, But in the beginning, we had that book, you know, probably some hand done notes that the first round of guys had kind of done. And, and, and you might photocopy stuff or some of those, there was some or, or originally, you know, some that second round, maybe third round of games when you got off of, you know, Excite a Bike and all those other ones that just, you know, th there were some difficult games in there. And and ones and there was always a game that would come out that just wasn't in your or or my wheelhouse. You know, it's like I was really good at the sports games. I was really good at, you know, the Final Fantasies, Dragon Warrior, Kid Icarus was or I always say, is it Icarus or Icarus? I always say it wrong. I would say Icarus, I think. Icarus, yeah. I think it is. Um, you know, some of those ones and, and, um, you know, you get really good at those as you go along and, and, um, but then there were other ones where you're just like, okay, you know, you know, my buddy knows how to do this one. So I, I'm just going to send all those calls over there. Yeah. No, yeah, I love, you know, I, I know it's infinitely more formal than I'm sure it could have ever possibly been, especially in the infant stages. But like, I just love the idea of the, you know, in my, in my head as a kid, maybe I envisioned that, you know, you have this cubicle and in there sits the guy who does the, that game. And he is just the God. And whenever anyone needs him, they go and tap on his cubicle and say line, you know, whatever. That's kind of how I always envisioned it. So, you know, again, that's uh, infinitely well, more structured. There were times like that because, we would get like, you know, I remember I, I was I got to play like RoboCop. I was one of the first people to do that one. And, and there was some of the other games that would fall into that. And then you really wouldn't see the games for like six months. And maybe the early copy was, um, you know, one of the game tester ones. Or maybe it was um, a review for, for Nintendo Power. I happened to sit in a cubicle that had some of the Nintendo Power people on the other side of the cubicles from me. And so all of a sudden I hear this. Hey, can you play this for me and tell me what you think? And you know, of course, that would make my week, you know, and and people would be very jealous of those and and stuff. And and um, but a lot of times, you know, into the 89, 90, 91 range, games would drop from the from the um licensees, and we wouldn't know they dropped. And there was no big, you know, everything's released on a Tuesday or a Friday or whatever sort of thing like that back then. And we'd be like, you're playing what? You know, <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then that's when I get, hey, Greg, didn't you test RoboCop? You know, and and yeah, okay, so be back and be like, uh, you know, and and then a lot of times we just have to refer them to you know SNK or whomever the game made, made the game, and 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 our thought being that if they got enough calls, then they then maybe they'd send us the games ahead of time because they got to the point where they really relied on us, and I. I knew that even more because I know I'm jumping ahead here, but just a full picture after I left Nintendo, I went and worked for Square. And so I I knew how it felt to be a licensee and to have that. And that was right before they closed up shop. I went back to Japan. But, you know, that was kind of a full circle time to really realize how important that game counselors were to not just Nintendo. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that they... You know, I, I, I will, we'll clock the playing the games. We'll clock in the instruction manuals. Some of them will have their own, their hotlines and stuff. But I, I just can't imagine that there was any. You know, again, you just don't. Uh, there's just no, no information, no way to find these things out. Kids mm-hmm. aren't thinking to look in the manual specifically. I'm sure so much of that stuff got dumped on your plate, uh, your guys's plate. The, you know, where it, it <laughs> probably should have been much better fielded by the the developers themselves. No question. It's not surprising to hear it all. Well, a lot of times when, you know, oh, there's a fair amount of games that were just translated. So there wasn't really any American folks. You know, the original Dragon Warrior was that way. And 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 granted, it was ours. But, you know, the, you, you kind of sat down and, and, and there wasn't anybody locally to help. There was there was people who helped translate it, sometimes badly. <laughs> uh, but. You know, or like Caesar said, you'd get those ones sometimes that weren't finished being translated. And, and so you'd had to figure that out. But thank goodness you got it for what we were just talking about, because. That's and a, of course, it was a privilege. Yeah, I was going to say it had to be so much because they're, they're also, especially if it's your, you know, your everyday job and you're literally getting paid to sit there and, and figure that stuff out. And you can tell even a boss like. We need to know this and I'm here figuring it out for you. Leave me alone. <laughs> And then you just go back to well, play your game. Do you remember, your phone's also ringing. So right. that was where it was a very tough and, and you're kind of going to two things because, you know, your bosses lived and died by how many phone calls you took. And 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 you're being listened to and monitored on those by the by those. And, and, and later I was the person doing that or, or partially. And so there is a very difficult balancing act there. Um, to figure those things out sometimes you'd get time off the phones like we're going to talk about a little bit about one of my first projects was the play action football was to work on that and you know I, I think at one time I added it up and by in my five years at Nintendo I I wore about 35 different hats and not just one or two day projects I, I didn't even count this one but like you know when they originally set up the Nintendo Evaluation Center I got to go over there and help set that up and and um, sit down and do that. You know, the Nintendo World Championships and all the prep and stuff for that and traveling around and things. I mean, it was very, really cool. I mean, it was fun. I remember I won, one year I won a, a trip up to go whist- ski at Whistler. Uh, or no, the first year was Sun Valley. We got to go to Sun Valley and go skiing. And so I met people from all around the rest of the company. And those were people who helped me get all these other jobs through in the next three or four years. So you learn people, you're like, I didn't even know you worked here. And they go, I didn't know you worked here. And it's like, you know, we were the the biggest department, but certainly not the most important at all. Did you feel, uh, because, you know, you're rather young. And uh, I mean, I I guess it's uh, kind of dependent on how dependent you felt on the job itself and how, you know, uh, 
uh, or uh, fear of losing it because you liked it so much. And I don't know, I guess I really haven't asked that either, but at least at the time, I'm sure in hindsight, it's a warm thought, but uh, in the moment, it's a job, no matter how you slice it, I'm sure, to some degree or another. So did you feel a genuine pressure to meet those numbers because you either relied on or really cared for or whatever the impetus would have been, not wanting to lose the job? Or was it something that in because you know, I know I had a million jobs in my youth that I didn't give a fuck about. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, uh, where did it fall on that spectrum, I guess? For oh, you? Well, in the end, they, it, it, again, working backwards, it's why I eventually got fired. And because and I couldn't I had worked my way to the point and had enough seniority and, and enough. Um, I guess my final title was an assistant lead. And uh, my my boss was Jeff Waite. He's a good, great dude. And um, Jeff and I kind of worked a little bit opposite schedules. So we covered our team who worked all sort of different schedules and stuff. And it got to the point where I was off the phone, you know, working, taking care of the team, you know, doing that monitoring I was talking about, assisting, training people, doing some of these other little projects and all that sort of thing. And... Then all of a sudden they come back and like, oh, no, no, we need all the assistant leads to be on the phone like 10 hours a week. And we also had this little desk that we kind of were like a help desk for all the counselors and stuff that we had to man. And they always put us there. And um, and then like a, like three or four months later, now all of a sudden it's 20 hours a week. No less than any of the other duties. I still got to man that booth, you know, a couple hours a day. I've still got to work on these other things. But part of the reason I pushed to get promoted and stuff was to get off the phones. And um, so then, you know, I just didn't want to talk to any more eight-year-olds and it wasn't anything <laughs> personal. Um, I was just kind of burned out. And then also because I'd been off the phones for the better part of, at that point, three years, I wasn't as up on the game, on the newer games. So now I kind of feel a little bit like a moron. I mean, I know enough to kind of get by, but I'm also the one they're coming to to answer the questions. Not as much about the games. It was we were doing. It was both both sides of the customer service thing. There's really three sides: the Nintendo Power, the customer service stuff about you know getting their stuff fixed or helping them set it up, and then the game counselor end of things. And um, Nintendo Power was mainly like subscriptions and stuff. And so, you know, that's anybody that's been on a on a call center job. They all kind of hit that point where you just get burned out, and you're just like. And our, our boss was uh, our boss's boss was a, a person named Sandy Huffman, who was great. And Sandy was and still is a friend of mine. And, and she just was like, hey, Greg, you're going to have, you know, it, like her hands were tied, too. And so there wasn't much you could do. And it's like so I started looking for other jobs at Nintendo and couldn't didn't make that transition. Like Caesar just got the heck out of the department. You know, <laughs> my old, my old, my roommate at the time, he, or actually it was, it, I, we just weren't roommates right before that. He'd been over and, and, uh, you know, he was in the correspondence. You were talking about all the letters that the Sega people got last time. Um, <clears throat> we had a whole correspondence department that was okay. crazy. Okay. Okay. So it, not to get all real, but it, you know, and then my next, like, five out of my next six jobs were all call center jobs. So go figure. Not playing video games. Was that, did you, since you stayed kind of in that realm, you know, you get into a new job and you're able to kind of, like, gauge how this 
management or company or just the the industry in general views your previous employer what like what was the view of what nintendo was doing over there with because i mean this was yes like we said these developers had their own little tiny game counselor divisions and stuff too but i mean there was no one doing even vaguely the scale that you guys were doing over nintendo so what was the view of that if you were working in a similar work environment is there a way for them to even aware of it did they have an opinion i don't know just with this is that i don't remember that they cared much i think it got me in the door you know i didn't have necessarily the higher level context that they would want you know this at the time like i mean we literally did everything there as far as you know uh, development and customer service and and shipping all the games out so a new game would drop the only one in the company that had a a a forklift license was the president so you know we could tell we got new we were getting new stuff in because he'd be wearing jeans to work that (laughs) this is how we're talking about i presume yeah no 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 this is at square oh at square Square. (laughs) no um howard no, wasn't working howard wasn't doing the forklift anymore <laughs> no, no. howard and i got had a good relationship i got to go and speak for him a couple of times which was kind of fun to like a boy scout jamboree sort of thing and and it was me and um oh i always forget his name but he was the the center for the for the huskies uh football team in when they won the national championships in 90 uh it wasn't steve vetman but a guy across from from him and and um he went on to be a, a, a color commentator in the, in the NFL and he and I went and nobody cared about anything I had to say and they <laughs> got the championship football guy. And of course, and um, so I would have me do a couple speeches for him like that, which I thought was cool because when we did do the Nintendo world championships, we actually spent the time during the week training on talking and talking and playing video games on time. I had one of those little, uh, you know, Madonna microphones or I guess Britney Spears now. And, and, uh, you know, and that was fun. That was, that was, we had a, the tour was, you know, I'm sure you guys read and said a lot. There's a lot. We could do a whole show on that. Yeah, we'll get uh, there. I, I got a nice, nice chunk of questions. We'll get there for sure. Right. I, have, I have zeroed out. Yeah. I mean, regrets and questions about it. So one last thing about kind of your initial time there. And I know sure. this is a highly specific thing and very well, the answer may be, I don't fucking remember, dude, but, do can you recall? Was it in, uh, enough of a either, you know, I don't know, d- disorienting or nervous moment? Do you recall that first moment on the phones at all? Can you can you like recall that first day and kind of how maybe not the very first call even, but just the initial vibe of first getting on those phones live and having to talk to eight year olds, as you mentioned, like what? How did that go for you specifically that first day? <laughs> I remember the first week. I don't remember the first call. I was uh, my dad was uh, always had us answer the phone at home very formally, and so <laughs> that part, the little spiel, like Caesar said about uh, how to answer the call, the phone was very natural for me. I remember once I was done training and you're sitting there, and in the beginning we had these really bad headsets that if you shuffled your feet, they would shock your inner ears. They were like early earbuds in here like this. And I remember having to work an earlier shift in the morning, getting there when before anybody was there. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't keep the headset on. 
because it was one of those ones that came under and had the mic. And finally, like halfway through the day, and it, I think it was that that particular desk didn't have one of those pieces of plastic down to roll your chair around on an office sort of thing. And I remember, like, I went to my boss and was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I said, I, I, the phone keeps zapping me. And, <laughs> and I remember he said to me, oh, we do that to make sure you stay on the phone. I was going to say, are you sure that that was not something they had control over? <laughs> but he was playing along that way because the same thing had happened to him. And shortly after that, we got new headsets and, and stuff. But it was literally like you had to learn just like almost to, to um, ground yourself and, <laughs> and what not to do. And uh, I think, you know, and it was so slow in the mornings. I, I, I wish I should have kept this morning shifts, shifts. You'd get there really early sometimes. And literally the cord would be long enough that you could crawl down under your cubicle to block out the lights and just be down there with your headset on. And you had it set to, so it would automatically answer. And then you just sit there and take the calls from under your desk because it's it's six in the morning, right? I mean, it's like or whatever it was. Is that yeah? What were the hours for that? Was it? Was... They were open eventually four a.m. to midnight, okay. and my normal shift once I settled in was ten to seven, which I really enjoyed. You don't have any traffic coming or going. You could go have lunch at like you know, two o'clock. And so there was no traffic for that. I always loved to leave until they built Cafe Mario later. I liked, you know, we'd go out to a pizza place or tacos or whatever. But then I got into the habit of just going by myself when when I could and, and just reading the paper and just kind of getting away from it all. And though in the cafeteria to keep you there, they had the full stand up, all of the Nintendo video games out there. Um, regular Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, um, I mean, the original ones, R-Type came later. I don't even know when that was. Probably, what, 89, 90? Um, just... were, were those, because those were, I'm sure, the games that you had to, t again, talk to eight-year-olds about incessantly. Right. Did those games wear out their welcome? Because mm -mm. no, they were then... ones that people didn't, except for Mario. And I don't even know if Mario, Super Mario was out there, because I'm sure it was. But because that was such a great and I won't use the technical term here yet, but whatever it is when they go take it from arcade to home, um, the Mario Brothers was awful. Um, Donkey Kongs weren't weren't that great. Um, you just didn't have the finesse of the buttons unless you were using an advantage to really get those good ones and and to make the jumps and 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 things like that. So you just nobody really called about them, and we just didn't really play them that much. But in the arcade, of course, I mean to this day. You know, Donkey Kong, you know, one, two, three, you know, you know, the only thing missing was Galaga because it wasn't a Nintendo game. So <laughs> there enough. We should have traded it for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's a management decision. You got to get higher up on the chain for, to make those kind of. <laughs> OK, so. The Nintendo Power Profile, so they started doing these in the third issue of the magazine. That's November, December of 88, just to give you a timestamp on it. And you appeared in issue six, which is May, June of 89. So about a year after you started working there. Yep. Was that something that you pursued or did they just approach you out of the blue for that? And yeah, just kind of talk about you know, your, your process of coming to that. And Sure. 
Yeah, no, I, there was a list somewhere. I, I know when you talk to Caesar about it and stuff like that, I mean, you certainly could could work your way on there. There was a weird thing there about when you actually started working at Nintendo. Because they hired everybody temp to permanent, which was kind of the thing before everybody became, you know, temporaries and, and all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, especially being up here with Microsoft, there's been a lot of lawsuits with all that sort of stuff. At Nintendo, I like the way they did the system because... They didn't have to do a lot of the initial hiring. They go through a temp agency, get those bodies in there because they're not just staffing us. They're staffing the call center for regular, you know, customer service stuff. And and you go through a lot of bodies with that stuff. And so and so they bring you in. I, I believe I made five dollars and fifty cents an hour in the beginning. Don't quote me on that, though. Well, I guess you are now. But And then um, and so you would be there and you kind of have to prove yourself and then you'd get hired on as a full-time employee. So what they really went after for the profile for some reason was how long you'd been a full-time employee. So, and then they also hired people kind of in waves. So when I get hired on in the first class, there's probably some people that have the same official Nintendo start date as me that didn't come on for three or four months after me because they hired everybody on like six months in or seven months in or whatever the case was. And I'm sure it's budget. I didn't know that then, but I'm sure it's all just budget related because you know, it is, it's, you're getting a raise, you're getting benefits, all that sort of stuff. So that kind of started your clock over. So there's a fair amount of people that were at, and then it, at that point I didn't have any poll. I had poll later. So that was where it was. It was a good issue. I, I don't remember who all was in there with me as far as, do you have a thing in front of you? Uh, I don't have the, the okay. other counselors. No, sorry. It's, yeah, it's the, oh, the it's TMNT okay. issue. I know that uh, all too well. I think Steve was one of the guys in there with me. Uh, he was one of my roommates for a while. And I don't recall the other two right now. But, but yeah, so basically somebody in Nintendo Power had a list. And like I said, a lot of the Nintendo Power people used to be game counselors. So they moved over and they just kind of kept the the going list it was and you know i don't know if they're necessarily qualifications or what but so no no formal uh selection so. process of any kind okay so yeah. you did you just, you just found out of the blue you didn't have any inkling yeah they, i remember doing the photo shoot we did ours on site i'm pretty sure remember i know we did and then it was in one of the training rooms and they had a backdrop and then i still have the proofs for that photo shoot someplace <laughs> awesome that's great did and they then, choose the best one? Did you get to choose what the one, what the picture uh, was? No, the, the art department did. The the Nintendo Power people, Gail, probably Gail Tilden had the last. She was the publisher, or not publisher, but the producer or whatever. She okay. did they do you right, or did they? Did yeah, they I, I think they did a great job. <laughs> okay. And then, um, and then we filled out a little. It was just a little, I think, just a half a piece of paper that you wrote, wrote in all those little things, and yeah, how you know, how much thought did you put into immortalizing those determinations? Uh, in the annals of Nintendo Power. Well, remember too, I would have filled mine out, and there'd only been a couple profiles at that point because I'm filling it out a few months ahead of time. Because when they sh did our shoot, it wasn't just our issue; they probably shot four okay. issues at once. So I think it'd only been in if, if you said I was in six and it yeah, came so out. There only been three before that, yeah. Yeah, so I might not have even have seen but one or two of them and stuff. So I just told the truth. And um, I know later some people got imaginative on it. Uh, matter of fact, we have a little uh, chat board and, and for, for, for counselors. And, and one of the guys last year or the year before said, 
that mine was the only one from the early days that they actually believed that it that <laughs> scored that many points on 1943. And I'm like, it's like, I'm not going to lie. Cause, cause if you, if it was totally not true, they would call you on it, you know, and, and everything. But there was some guys, I mean, like I know Dean O'Connor wrote something funny, but his was actually true. Cause he was and is phenomenal. I haven't talked to him in years, but I was out on the tour with him and uh, for a little bit and he was a great player. And, um, I have a good story about him playing WrestleMania against uh, Randy Savage on the tour. Yeah. Okay. Word. We'll, we'll get there. We'll All right. Get there. Uh, okay. So the on that. So you you mentioned just going through those hobbies and stuff. You mentioned flying. And that, that's a rather vague hobby. Uh, <laughs> and I, I believe we had some fun with the ambiguity of that when we were back when we were doing issue six. Uh, flying in what way? No, I taken pilot lessons, and okay. I think right before then I had. Um, I had gone uh, as a, in a glider, and yeah. so uh, it was uh, nothing I ever finished or anything like that. But uh, you know, it, that was something that was an original uh, ambition of mine and stuff like that. And then I think then the reality of it hits, and you're like, "Oh crap!" You know, like uh-huh. you see those reels come up of the the girl loses her landing gear and she's on her first oh, solo awesome. flight, and it you just couldn't get me on one of those little bullshit planes for any. There's literally nothing in the world. <laughs> I I hate flying on a commercial airliner. I wouldn't know for in a million years get on one of those little planes. <laughs> I never thought about it until I had kids and had a kid, and 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 then, you know, then all of a sudden you start thinking about it a little bit more. I don't think they had this year. The Amazing Race did a glider flight, and I was looking at it going, and I asked my kid. I said, "Would you go on that?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think I would anymore." I did that. I'm cool. Uh, took my dad. He loved it, but. It just—I don't know. I, I love—I love rides. I go on roller coasters, that kind of stuff. Me but too. Me too. I'm, but I don't need I'm, to get I'm, in good. some free form thing going flying through, rocketing through the air. I'm all set. <laughs> Same with the balloon. Somebody asked me about the hot air balloon the other day, and I'm like, yeah, never. I'm probably okay. Now, I did this. I did a. Uh, I work in film is kind of my day job, and I did a, a project in Turkey. Uh, in 2016, I've done a couple of things there actually, but the one I did in 2016, we were staying in Urgoop, which if you any familiar at all with Turkish tourism, which most people probably aren't, but the, if you look up like top tourist things to do in Turkey in central, uh, Turkey there in Urgoop, they do every morning this day, there's a million hot air balloon hmm. ride things. And they, there's, you know, the, like I can see it on my hotel room window every day at sunrise the sky is just full of all these colorful hot air balloons so it's a big thing there and some of the other cast members on that film tried to get me on numerous occasions to go and i was like that's not happening there's no chance <laughs> but i'm going up in a balloon this is not that's no way there's no way my best friend's from new mexico so i i, I get that same thing from him sometimes about come on down no, like no good i love to look at him beautiful i take a picture every time i see a hot air balloon but I'm sure, right. Yeah, there's probably. Yeah, especially now you, you, you could have the same experience. Someone's got a, a, a video we could Google on YouTube in four seconds and I could see all the same things from the comfort of my living room. <laughs> Get it on your VR. Yeah, I could even do it in VR. Exactly. Uh, and if that hasn't been done, then we should do that and that we could probably make a million bucks on it. So the you mentioned the score, the one point six three million score in 1943. Was that on a play where you sunk the final boss, Tataku, and have you bested that score since? Hmm. Uh, I did beat it, and 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 that was at the end, and and I have probably not played it 
on NES since. But that I, makes a ton I, of sense, Greg. You have yeah, no idea. How I have wasted a lot of quarters though playing it. Uh, we've got a great arcade called uh, Dorky's down in Tacoma that uh, that has one, and and uh, so yeah. But yeah, I had a I had a I had a store growing up that I had one at beforehand that was on my paper route that I could go play it. So okay. So so it's a, is that. Is that an NES score or uh, the? That was an NES score, yeah. And okay, actually, I guess the early one would have been what forty-two would have right. been the original arcade one, yeah. Which is yeah, forty-three is much better. We actually just did a game app on it um, very recently, and and I had never played forty-three. I thought I had, but it was forty-two I had played, and forty-three is immensely better than forty-two, but it's still hard as shit and not at yeah. all realistic to beat. I think I ended up just so you know that put our you know the. million was my final score when we we did the game. But I safe scum my ass off, which if you don't emulate, I know may mean nothing to you, but basically means safe stating throughout the play. (laughs) So, so you you know, when you die, you just load and you're like right back to where you were. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. Like Caesar said, we would challenge ourselves on certain days. Uh, You know, uh, with that one, if I remember right, you had to sync up the – because I wouldn't use any controller but the advantage. And oh, then I'd have this that. regular controller. Well. I argue incessantly about how much better it is in the Macs all the time with re- other retro nerds like myself. Yeah. <laughs> but you could dial in yes. the A button just right. And with that one, if I remember, you had to dial it in because you didn't want the burst. Yes. You wanted the constant. And, um, yeah. God, man, I you just pulled back some uh, some really ancient knowledge there. So. <laughs> Yes, Mega Man is always that's that's such that's so awesome that you cite that specific thing having control over the fire rate of the the turbo thing because yes that is one of the huge advantages and there are games Mega Man's another one that's like yeah. this where if you have it dialed all the way up it actually slows your fire rate down for yeah. whatever it's it's just sprite population limitations yeah. or something uh, whatever the cause may be but yeah you want to have that control and obviously the joystick is cool too and that's not maybe great for every game but that turbo control stuff is just yeah. For the time, that was my series. Mega Man was my thing. I know, I I know. I'd have to look at the years, but but up through probably four when I left was it for the Super? That was just. I and think they got. I actually, Jay is much more. My co-host is a much more of a Mega Man person than me. I played two and three plenty. I think they actually got six on the first on the NES Did before. They, I, yeah, I don't remember. I'd have to look, but yeah. yeah, I played a lot of them, and and it was just. You know, and then every time you'd look at it and be like, what are they going to do? And then, you know, that stupid professor and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> this is, but you realize, do you realize this is Mega Man behind me, right? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> your, your shoulder was in the way, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, I did that just for you. Because <laughs> Mega Man 2 is, yes, the, the one you said. That was, I, you know, it's, it's, I, I, you've listened to the interview, so you know this, but yeah, I, I, I thought that was funny that the, you two are best friends and you had two and he had three. I thought that was a, a funny little through line in your guys' relationship. <laughs> hey, we've, we've been through some stuff. We actually managed one of Caesar's bands at one time. Okay. And uh, so we managed a, 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 a pop band, his his band, he's an incredible guitar player, in grunge Seattle, 1991. Uh, so you name a grunge uh, a club in Seattle, and, and I think their claim to fame is, I always get it wrong, but I, I think they opened for the band that opened for the band that opened for Mud Honey. <laughs> that means, because Caesar was 16, 17, so... 
to get him in there, it had to be before a certain time. And they got the first slot. And then we were at the underground one time. And I can't remember if that was the Mud Honey Night or not. But anyway, he, one of their guitar players broke a string. So Caesar played guitar tech and changed it out. But there was a couple of those in there where it was like, okay, this is cool. You know, we get to hang out. We get to do so, this. Yeah, and you're young people would like just yeah, <laughs> scream it. And I, my comeback would always be is when they'd yell at him and stuff, I'd be like, what are you doing here at 7.30 if you don't want to hear the opening bands? You know? <laughs> and then one guy was like, I'm drinking. <laughs> but they were great. We loved them and, 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 and loved the grunge stuff too. But, but it was really music from another era. And, 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 and it was a lot of fun and, and, and just look back very fondly and and, uh, and he's actually re-recorded most that's of those ground and, zero of that you yeah know, that that uh oh genre dude, it was, so it was fun little doubt one last one on the profile sure do, do you regret not having a mullet in it <laughs> i was still in the navy uh, <laughs> so i i had to have the close haircut but when i got out in 93 so right after nintendo i I let it grow yeah. for a while. And for me, it goes all curly. Okay. And I did the same thing in COVID. I didn't get a haircut for six months and I let my kids shave my head. And I shaved my I, head in COVID too. I couldn't get a haircut here either. <laughs> well, the then 12 year old or 13 year old loved doing it. And, uh, and then I saw my hair guy and, uh, he, uh, he was like, okay, I'm going to cut your hair for free. <laughs> Just <come laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the worst part about shaving your head is it's not the initial shave uh that's you know it's uniform it's fine you know it's very contour even if you're not a good bald head person it's not that bad but that interim period between getting back to some normal hairstyle of any kind and the shave is just you look like you oh. know <laughs> there's me at 17 in boot camp and you know they shave your head with those the vacuum cleaner ones. Lobby, and, Lobby. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bad. Riddle, riddle. Did I did uh, Caesar share that mullet counselor playoff stuff with you? I had forgotten that, but no, I don't think I did it. But I, I do remember him. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it was not. It's not something Nintendo did. That's something we do. Although for the you podcast. guys did it. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll send them to you just for shits and giggles. Oh, okay, you'll okay. you'll laugh, especially because Caesar's. Uh, well, no, he's not. That's right. I don't think Caesar is in it. Yeah, he was in 20, so he's not in it yet. It was oh. maybe the maybe the first 14 issues or something like that that we took all the 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 counselors that had mullets and we put them in a bracket. I did this whole graphical layout and we gave them all nicknames. Dane the Diode Emerson is the one I remember most notably, and just you know uh, have a, a ton of fun with it. And yeah, kind of analyze what the mullets are. So yeah, it's, well, if you know those guys, you'll now, enjoy it. If you get to if you get to Jane's issue. You'll see who I'm talking about. If it looks like a mullet, go ahead and do it, and she will love it. <laughs> I still talk to her all the time, and 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 she's she's great. And so she would think it was hilarious. But okay. um, we I'll went to Lollapalooza. We all went to Lollapalooza together. So there's your okay. grunge moments for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's get into the World uh, Championship Power Fest stuff. So. You told me you went out, you did 14 cities, and it was the back half of that first year, 1990, just to set the table for a listener. Middle, yeah. The, well, there was, we kind of had it divided up into four legs, I think, and I, I did the second leg. Oh, okay. Got so, um, I got to so look it, at So, this. it was what, like 
it was 56 cities then you're saying I believe yes. so, yeah jesus christ uh did you happen to do cleveland i did cleveland no i did not we okay. and, and the reason i got we ended up driving to cleveland to return the vans because at one point so my first let's see if i can remember my first one was jersey in, in javits and that was crazy fun stayed in tire pioneers or pioneers or times square and then I did uh, uh, Connecticut, uh, Hartford, which was really cool. And then we did the 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 same arena the Whalers played in, which is yeah. under a mall in Hartford, Connecticut, of all places. And you then were we doing drove... venues that large for these? Yeah, mainly basketball arenas is what wow. we mainly use. I would not have guessed that. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we drove from Hartford to Cleveland. And all the way across Pennsylvania, and we had three. Worst drive in the country. That's the worst oh, drive in the country. <laughs> nothing, literally nothing. If you no. if you go the full horizontal length of, of Pennsylvania, it's the worst drive in the country, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and one of the guys who drove it before told us that they they re-aimed the um, the water spout or to wash your windows on the on on the uh, vans. So we were leading. And we could shoot it and hit water on the vans behind us. <laughs> That's funny. At least you had an activity then. Uh, yeah, I think we had up. our radios so we could talk. And then, uh, you know, no phones, of course. And then we uh, made a couple of stops. And there was like six of us. And it was the, I don't know why the Nintendo employees had to do it, but we did. And so we, we drove across there, went to Cleveland and returned the vans and then flew to Chicago. So the next one was Chicago. And that was out at uh, uh, Rosen Rosenberg, or anyway, there's a convention center by O'Hare, okay. Rosen something like that. And then uh, I believe either Houston or Oklahoma City was after that. I can't remember. Oh, it was o Houston, and then Oklahoma City, and then um, Houston. We did the convention center, which is huge, and then. Um, Oklahoma City, we did uh, the the fairgrounds, which was weird, but kind of fun. And then Phoenix, and that was fun. We were at the convention center in Phoenix, and I just I actually was just down there this summer. I literally parked right by the Hyatt Regency where we stayed because my dad lives down there. And then I think we took a break. Oh no, we came home from Phoenix and did Seattle and Portland. Seattle, we did the Kingdom, only half the Kingdom. Portland was the um, convention center or the or the fairgrounds or something like that, and then we took a break. They maybe they took maybe the month of I don't even know sometime in the summer. I think they were waiting for the kids maybe to go back to school or something like that. They took some time off. You have to look at the schedule for sure. And then I went back out and did um, uh, Jersey. Was out at the what was then called the Brendenburg Arena, which was um, the basketball arena at um, Meadowlands. And that was where the story was that uh, the the new guys came out that were going to replace us, and one of we, and we had uh, Randy Savage from from Russell WWF then WWE come out and get up on stage and play, and um, a terrible and game he, too. That's a terrible game. The, oh, the WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were button combinations on there that were new that you never had to do before, especially coming off the ring ropes and doing whole, so. We get him up there. So I'm Randy's coach and Dean is up there and Dean's a little short little dude and Terry's the game show, the host. And Terry taught me I, to this day. I'm 
I make my living with a microphone. And so as an MC and a DJ and stuff and, and doing weddings and corporate stuff and things. And Terry taught me all that. And Terry's just calling it and getting up there. And I can't remember who was coaching Dean, but he's up there and, you know, and, and Randy Savage is trying to use the little regular NES controller, um, but his thumbs are all broken. So he can't bend his thumbs to mat, mash the buttons. And so I'm holding the microphone up for him and he's I'm going to, you know, all this good stuff and everything. And we had met him beforehand in the green room. And he was amazing. And off microphone, he's like, dude, tell me what to do. Tell, uh, what do I do? And he was like the most normal sounding voice and, uh, for it. And, and, you know, Dean's just kicking the crap out of him and stuff. And, and of course it's up on the big screens and the kids are going crazy. And that's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I highly I don't I can't think of the exact title, but I'm sure there's probably not probably not too hard to Google it up. But I found it wasn't too long ago, I suppose, because it's in my memory. But there's a video of him on like a public access interview interview show of some kind, you know, very pre WWE stuff. He's still he's a wrestler at the time. Right. Uh, on some small thing or whatever. But, you, you know, nowhere near what he becomes. And. It is one of the best interviews of a human being I've ever seen. He because he used to be a baseball player. Oh, I didn't know. Which that. I yeah, I didn't know that either until watching this video. Yes, he was a uh, either at least semi pro. He might even I think he was in the minors for the Reds or something like that. He you know he he played professional baseball uh, to some degree or another before he gets into this stuff. And it was it's an in, I just cannot recommend it enough. Especially right, you have up. this personal connection, yes. Yeah. Find it. It's it's probably an hour long. You won't be able to turn it off. It's an incredible interview. Okay. Uh, with I Ted, watched yeah. his behind the ring and all the stuff about him and Miss Elizabeth and Hulk and right. all that sort of stuff. But I'll I'll, I'll look that up because you're right. I've had that connection. Um, I have somewhere in that same box. I've got the game cartridge signed by him. Oh, amazing. And um, and I think Dean got the box, and um. And then I, I grabbed a stack of his uh, his his publicity photos, so I have some of those too, because uh, awesome. they just were sitting there at the end of the night. But he was great, and and I I matched up the time frame to kind of when I watched the behind the ring about it, and he he had been having some trouble financially and stuff, and so at least I hope that that Nintendo paid him good money and 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 got out there because they had some good stuff. I mean the you know my first two. Uh, the, the, the first two shows I did in, in New York and in, in Hartford, that's when DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince were out with us. And uh, I got to my claim to fame until Will Smith became person incognito or whatever is, is I had had uh, lunch at Wendy's with with Will Smith. <laughs> that's great. In the Hartford Mall. What the hell did he eat? I think everybody ate the Wendy's single back then, right? Okay. The, the <laughs> stuff and uh he was Fro telling us frosty or no frosty or no i don't remember <laughs> i do remember him telling us about this this movie or the tv pilot he had just shot okay called That's fresh Prince. or they right. didn't anything had a name but he said they were kind of doing it about him and and uh that was cool i mean yeah, sure. he and jeff were great jeff was really good very cool so okay so the second leg so, so did you you went you got off of it and then they brought so you back for the yep. Universal Studios back portion. To train the new guys. So the whole tour was on a break, probably a month, and then I'm, you know, back to doing my other job and then going back out. And I, I think we did Jersey and then 
uh, Norfolk, uh, Virginia, someplace in Virginia. And then, and then they brought me back at the end. Uh, they let the tour manager, uh, and, and some of them, they, they asked for their favorite people and the, and those, their favorite ones, the game counselors from the tour got to go back for back the, the, uh, universal studio. for the finals okay. universal. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying that they did that in the middle. I was like, how the hell did that work? Okay. That makes a lot more yeah, sense. So then <laughs> another three or four months and then I get to go back to universal. So Tim and I went down and, okay. um, all these legs I did with, with, with my, our lead was, was Tim Dale, who is a game counselor who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, but was really, really good dude. And, and was a good leader and, uh, hipper and cooler than any and better looking than anybody else as far <laughs> as the game counselors go and never would have let you know it. So, uh, so that was, it was a pleasure to be out with him. So is, did you befriending him? I was going to ask, you know, how did this, how did you end up being one of the tour participants? Like, was that something knowing him uh, and, uh, or befriending no. him? Is that how that came to be? Or I don't think he got to pick the team. he, I think it was that's back to that seniority kind of thing, you know, people that they knew they could trust people, you know, and they kind of asked if you could do it. I'm sure if you were married and had kids, you probably wouldn't want to. Um, there wasn't too many folks like that, but there were a few. And so they were looking for a good, you know, they didn't want all leads and they didn't want all, you know, young people. So they were looking for, you know, at that point, say they're putting that together in, uh, you know, say September of 89, maybe. So, I'd been there almost two years and um, the people that went out on the first leg were people that had been there, you know, longer than I had. So I think that it was mainly based on seniority with it. And, and um, uh, I'm not sure if that's, a, a, you know, at the time it was very interesting working for a Japanese company. We haven't really talked about that very much and stuff, but it was, you know, they were definitely some, some, you know, there was a whole thing with the, with the Mariners and, you know, sort of, you know, that's right when 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 Nintendo bought them and, and all that sort of stuff going on. And man, I found there was very much a Japanese influence there, but it was all good. It was very much, you know, let the people be the people. They threw epic holiday parties. I mean, they 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 took care of everybody. We should have a whole meet uh you know interview sometime with me and a bunch of other guys talking about the holiday parties <laughs> you'll have to blur our faces though <laughs> statue of limitations is probably not up yet but awesome. um but no it was the style and the way they did it i think was about promoting people and making and letting people giving them everything they needed to be successful and that's very common today but i didn't feel that that it was as common again first office job but even later on, you know, I didn't feel like I was ever that micromanaged Though you think on the phones, you know, you kind of are, but you have to do that. Later on, as I worked at other call centers, I would be there in the beginning when it was just, hey, answer the phones. And then every one of them copied, I mean, not copied Nintendo, but kind of had that process where they're like, hey, we need to organize this somehow because we're getting too busy. We just, you know, and you learn that now it's, it's, it's all just about efficiency, you know, so anyway. I digressed off the good stuff. No, so what no, else? No, no. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. On those tours, there had to be kids, because you know, it's a competition. There had to be kids that were just absolutely fucking wrecked <laughs> uh, upon losing. Do you have any good stories of kids just losing their shit? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that as much, but I do remember that there were kids who would come out 
in different weeks in different cities. Really? Like I made friends with, with, with them and, and I didn't have it, but there, there, there are stories going around that, that there were some single moms who made some friends with some people on the crew and stuff that, that, that wasn't me, but I, there was a couple of families. There was one family in particular from Texas. Roadie, Nintendo roadie families. That's incredible. <laughs> so, so sometime during the summer, the kids off school and it's like, you know, it's not that big a deal to go from Houston. If you, you know, if, if they're taking the top three in three age groups and you get fifth, you're like, hey, I can get a little better at this. And if I go to Phoenix and, and or maybe there's not as much competition in Oklahoma City. So there would be families that I'd get to see in, in a few different ones. And, and there, there was one guy in particular, Jeff, um, his last name's escaped me, but I would, I would remember it if I thought about it. And we they were just appreciated, you know, they said my kindness. They wrote me a little card and actually gave me a watch at the at the end of it. And uh, that was real nice. And and I just remember thinking, you know, A, it was nice to see them. It was kind of fun to see the same people because we would go and work the floor. They'd have tables come up. They'd come up and we'd sign a bunch of stuff. And the original mindset was that we'd go walk around. But because most of us had been in Nintendo Power, we just couldn't. And so we would kind of set up tables and they'd come up and do it. And then all the Q and a and stuff, Terry would run it from, from the stage. And what so would the playing fields be like in the, in, in the satellite cities, well, like how big, how many kids were there or like, they didn't have to all be kids. I suppose there were some different age groups. Yeah. Like you said, like how many participants it, in Midwest was, was bigger than New York. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I forgot we did Minneapolis. That was another one of the towns we did and stuff, but I remember Minneapolis, we were in St. Paul, and, um, you know, the, there was, I'd have to look up and see what the numbers were and stuff, but by the time Sunday rolled around, you know, then you, we had it pretty much down because originally it was a, a four day show. And then they, they, when they got rid of the magic act, they lowered it to a three day show. And that was, I got to see the last two legs of that. And then, um, they just weren't selling the tickets on the Thursday. So it was, it was down to Friday, Saturday. And then finals on Sunday. So they had it down where, you know, they'd have, I don't even know, 50 people maybe of each one or the qualifiers. But I don't think the qualifiers, now that I think about it, they all got those white painter hats with the blue riding on them. And I think you had, if you hit a certain number, and I think we adjusted that number as the weeks went on. So if, if all of a sudden, Sunday, you know, because you can't play until midnight on Sunday, right? We got to load out and get out of there. And so they'd be like, okay, this, we're this time, you know, what used to be the threshold was 20,000 points total. Now it's going to be 25. So I'm pretty sure they adjusted that as we went through and did it. And because there was no, it was never written down what you had to get to until you arrived at that show. Um, so that by the time we got to Oakland, I remember some of the guys going to Oakland and I didn't do that one, but I remember seeing it in the paper or somebody sent it to me. Or I read about it and I'm like, there's a lot more people there. <laughs> and, uh, matter of fact, somebody was selling their their thing on eBay le like last year, where they had a lot of those articles on them. And um, I remember, I think it was on a PDF, and I could read it. And I remember reading like, "Oh, that's a lot of people." And part of it was the same, you know, they release the same PR thing every week that they kind of send out, and people are excited about it. But it it just seemed to get momentum as the year went on, and you know, cars. It probably got more coverage in, in, in Nintendo Power 
you know, that sort of stuff can really create some good stuff. And sure. I think they probably learned how to promote it too. Cause in the beginning they weren't getting the numbers that they thought. Yeah. There's uh, I harbor a, a tremendous amount of envy uh, because I didn't, uh, I mean, I had a subscription. I started with the, the super Mario three issue, which I want to say is nine or 11, something like that. And it was right around, when those were starting, I think, and I just didn't, I was too oblivious and didn't realize that you guys were doing, I grew up about a half hour west of Cleveland, and I didn't realize that it was happening until long after the fact, and yes, I just can't even begin to tell you how, even today, you know, 30 plus years removed, how um, upsetting I find it that I didn't go the 30 minutes to go participate in that. <laughs> Where'd they do it in Cleveland, you remember? I don't know, but I would guess probably the IX... A mu it's like a, a convention center on uh, right by the airport is where I would have guessed they would have done it. The I'll only look, other pop. Yeah, I mean I, I don't have it here, but I'll look it up when we're done. Okay. But they uh, where'd you grow up in Cleveland? Outside of Cleveland, Oberlin, which is uh yeah people have heard of the college. There's a little tiny town there too. Um, so yeah, it's about it's Lorraine County, about like I said thirty hours, thirty minutes west of. Definitely I, could have made it happen drive wise. My parents bothered. That was probably would have been a bigger impediment. My goddamn parents taking the time to do it, but <laughs> uh, would have been great. Would have been great for sure. I was there in '95, in 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 not even not your town, but somewhere in that same ballpark. One of my buddies lived in, and we went out, and I went to the last Monday night football game with the old Cleveland. Okay. Memorial, yeah. and then went to the first playoff game with the Indians and the Red Sox that year. Okay, and that was the Mariners' first year making playoffs. That was happening back here, and I. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah the, the the Mariners and the and the and the 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 tribe at the time where they were. That was a a pretty big rivalry uh, to some yeah. degree or another because yeah the the Indians were hot for sure. Well, uh, in those we had some 90s. of the players. Omar came over to you guys right. for a while there, and and right. that, he's very always will be special to Seattle. If we had a it's great ring yeah. of honor for the Mariners, he would be in it for sure. Yeah, fantastic shortstop, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Um. Okay, so this Universal Studios Finals event. Yeah. Wow. How much? I mean, it may not even be measurable, but uh, to talk a little bit about the difference in scope between that and the other events. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Universal really took care of us. I had a pass that I could go anywhere that there wasn't a red light going on in, in any of the sound studios. And, um, and then it also gave me half price at the commissary. So... <laughs> You know, you got to go. And we stayed at the, at the remember, I went back, I took my kid to Universal a couple of years ago before COVID and, and we stayed at the same hotel. And um, and then when we were there, Tim and I were there, uh, uh, Lisa Hartman was there, was one of our leads and, and a few other people. And we rode the elevator with uh, John Travolta and uh, and we got out and Lisa looks back and goes, you're John Travolta. <laughs> was he involved with the. Uh event or just happened to be randomly in the hotel yeah. elevator for some reason <laughs> but uh no it was good it, i mean they they really took care of us they threw parties and, and you know we got to go along because all the participants so it wasn't just me but it was there and then they really set it up the same terry did a really good job of of doing that there are some videotapes out there of it um I don't think I've seen one for a long time. I think one was made up on YouTube at some point. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I've watched one of the. I think it was Universal yeah. Studios. I think they watched. sent that out to everybody afterwards, along with the game packs and mm -hmm. and all the lore that goes with those. 
And um, presume you didn't you didn't cop one of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I can neither confirm or deny anything to do with the game. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, put it this way, I, I got to play it as any time I wanted to for a long time. So, but no, it was good. And 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 and, and that being said, we all took them and had copies to take them home and to practice them. And we were expected to be very, very good at them. And no one asked for them back ever. So, I'm not. I'm more joking than anything. But um, I do not have currently anyone. But it's at one point I did have a couple of them. So, it's. Um, but the gold ones are cool. I, I remember watching those get made. We made, they were all handmade at the desk next to mine, across from oh, mine. Oh, man, that's cool. And um, they... Well, and, and they did, like, was that, a, like, were they prefabbed as gold, or was there some kind of... They were Zelda cartridges. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or Link, or whatever the gold ones were. Zelda, right? Okay. Yes. yes. That's just well, Zelda. both of them. They, they did gold versions of both of those. I think they were just Zelda then. I mean, you're talking 90, so... Right. And then... Um, well, the no, stick- the... The Adventure Link was out by then too. It took them till right around Christmas, I think, to finally get it out. But those, they probably actually were, because that was one because of the chip shortage. If I yeah. doing the timeline right in my mind, they Adventure of Link was delayed significantly because of that chip shortage, and it made it out around Christmas time of, I think that was actually eighty nine. So yeah, the, the odds are higher that it was, they were Link cartridges. In all honesty, that's um, obvious. That's, obvious I, I, that's was what came to my mind first, yeah, and yeah. so. Yeah, they were literally just those chips that um, I think they actually had those ones manufactured. They weren't just burned, but um, and then of course on the tour we had, you know, the other hundred of the regular ones. And and um, but I mean it was that was a hard game, you know, and 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 especially you know until some of those guys got some of those really good strategies. Nobody really, you know, everybody just kind of played it straightforward, had a different way of doing it until I can't remember the guy who's the original champion that sells his autograph all the time uh i don't know that offhand uh, either yeah <laughs> troy or troy or whatever he was a nice kid he was really good but he came up with the you know stacking everything up going for the you know it's just math i mean when you really think about playing tetris it's just math and and doing that sort of stuff and but it was cool and 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 it was fun i could still picture that that strange car they gave Ray sitting on the parking lot at the at the universal hilton i think it was and um it was like this little tiny, you know, car that they gave away and the kids getting those and uh, a lot of publicity stuff. And so it was fun to see. And so a lot of those people I got to know and those kids who qualified got to come back, you know, at the end and and compete. And, and um, it was really exciting. It was fun. And then uh, I believe we did that on Saturday. And then was I- Troy the that the, the kid who ended up winning? Was he from one of the cities that you did? No, I don't think no. he was. Okay. I don't recall what city what he was from, um, but I don't think he was. And and so um, it was good. And and also too, once you once they won, you didn't necessarily see a lot of those guys again. Though a couple of them did come back and practice and stuff like that. And and so I think that's why, you know, maybe some of the ending ones, Oakland or whatever the ones were toward the the last few months and stuff. But. Um, they did a really good job. I mean, it was done like a rock and roll show. It was, uh, there was, you know, 18, 18 wheelers. Um, the guy who just was doing, was the tour manager had just come off doing, uh, the band Boston's tour the year before. I mean, these were roadies. These were guys, 
and they they knew everything about every city. They knew where to get your your laundry done by the pound. <laughs> they knew how to get free movies on your on your um, the box, you know, on the on the on the TV back in the day. <laughs> um, so it was it was a lot of fun, and 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 you know, it was one of those great things you look back on, and 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 we knew it was it was special at the time. That's so cool, man. You. I think you mentioned in the email that you got to do the at least film. I don't know if it, if it made it to the final cut or not, but that you got to film as one of the people that were doing the arcade stuff in in the movie. Yeah, in 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 uh, um, uh, the wizard, right? So Sorry, yeah, yeah when they're playing, <laughs> I talked about it, and I was I was interviewed for the for the thirtieth annual thirtieth Blu-ray for for the wizard. Okay. So they interviewed me for the Blu-ray on it. And in there, they talked about it, which was nice because a lot of them were like, hey, it looks good and all this stuff. And they're like, uh, one of the highlights was interviewing the game counselor. Because if you remember the game counselor in there, he's he's kind of like you were describing. They're throwing stuff all over the place. It's like he's trying to find it. You know, he, I guess he'd be the opposite of what you said because this was not the subject matter expert, you know. <laughs> sure. And um, so, yeah, so I got to film. And, and, you know, I think I did the Double Dragon stuff. I think that's what I did. And, and, and so filming that was, it was literally like a giant, uh, uh, video recorder, but, but it shot it on film. So it was very interesting to do that because there was no, you know, they're using film as you're shooting. So it's a giant machine and stuff like that. So, um, anyway, it was fun. Not my, not my best game. Um, I think maybe I did the Mega Man for that one. I talked about the interview. I, I don't recall right now, but it was it was fun. And so they passed it around and they're like, oh, you're good at this game. So you play that. And I think, you know, we probably did it all day. And then they just took that back and used whatever they needed to. Because when you look at it, the, what they're playing is one of those VS machines. And and so that's the, anybody, the play choices. Is that like that? Yeah, I think that. Yeah. That right? Yeah. Yeah. And so wasn't always the arcade one that was in those sort of things. But. I think if you look close enough, you could tell that it wasn't an arcade machine, but okay. that's all right. That's cool. Uh, and I'm assuming they did. That was part of they just shot that one of the days during the event, right? That was that. Where was that? Was that a totally separate deal? No, that was that. That was back in the office. They did oh, that okay. In our setups in the office. And, and okay. Plugged it in with the um, red <clears throat> cable cables. Okay. Uh, because the they used footage from the actual event in the movie, right? Or is that, no, that's totally staged. No, wow. Yeah. Okay. I assumed that whole deal was, they just used the fact that the thing was happening at the time. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess, well, yeah, the, duh, that's, uh, that's before. The wizard came out before that. Jesus Christ, yeah. No, that's okay. They're used to it. <laughs> I, when I watched it again, before I got interviewed for that thing, um, and watch it with my kid and stuff like that, I thought it was, you know, you know, tone that, tone the movie down about half. For really the whole movie, but if you tone down uh, that the production stuff at the end, there wasn't the big entrance. That it was already a cool theater because it was the the old Star Trek theater. I think now it's the Minion Theater, and so it was already kind of set up for that. And and all you know, not people coming in, but you know, kind of having people right there and having kind of an exciting sort of show and stuff like that. So they did a good job, and and. I, I I should look it up and watch the video again because it's been a long time. 
With the movie I had actually had never seen, I didn't watch the movie as a kid, which is wild because I was a huge Wonder Years fan. I love Fred Savage, but I never, I just for whatever reason didn't have access to it, didn't see it, never got around to it once I was old enough to source my own shit. And yeah, it was a, it was a long standing thing on the pod with Jay, my co host, that I had not seen that film. Uh, it was a huge problem from him. <laughs> so I just watched it for the first time a few years ago. Um, I, I actually enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. So we did some of the final gameplay we did when they stop at that arcade in there. We do it when they go to the arcade in Reno with the girl. Um, that's all us, the game counselors, playing. There's probably, I'd say, at least four different of us playing in there. And we'll, no, I actually paused it this last time, and, and, and there was no acknowledgement of us at the end. But uh, there are a couple Nintendo people shouted out on there. I don't remember who. Probably Howard and Gale and okay. you know, all the big ones. Bigs. Big wigs. Little guy always gets fucked, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in entertainment, I'll tell you right now. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's get into this NES Play Action Football thing. In your words, I guess, just to set the table for the listener, I have a vague idea, but describe what your role on that was just so they can hear it before we start asking questions yeah, about so it. <laughs> I, again, one of these kind of secondary jobs they they asked me to do, and, 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 and of course, any time off the phone is a good time, and and uh, they knew I was a sports fan. I actually ran our uh, Nintendo. This, you know, I just thought about this. This is probably why I got the gig. I ran our football pool sheets. <laughs> okay. And so you literally every week you circle who is going to win. Who's going to win? You put in a dollar. You give it to me, and and then whoever uh, gets the most wins and the closest score after Monday night um, wins the pot. And we do no better know, qualified person than the resident gambling guru. Yeah. <laughs> I almost got fired over it. Actually, <laughs> HR said it was illegal. <laughs> I, I had gotten a heads up that, that they were going to be, um, you know, basically confronting me about this. And so I went out at lunch and went to and, and found the state law and photocopied it off and took it back. And when they called me in, they, you know, I think they were literally going to fire me right there on the spot. And I'm like, you know, and I showed it to them and, and they're like, um, oh, well, I, I guess you're right. And because and, I, did, I didn't make any money off of it. Only if you get a rake, right? The, take, if the house takes any money, is it have to be licensed and stuff? <laughs> the funny part is the two people in HR, the, 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 the underling that was kind of leading this sort of thing, she left the office at the end. The boss who as I left, handed me her football sheet for the next week. <laughs> so obviously she was not in on there being a problem. She sure. just... Uh, or at least not, uh, you know, maybe yeah. on the well, record. Yeah, <laughs> People, it was fine. It was, you know, I it, it didn't make me nervous and I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong and it was great. But so they asked me, they said, hey, we got this football game we're working on. I have always just called it NES football. I didn't even remember it was called play action until you talked about it with Caesar. And then they said, we, we want to make sure that we, you know, have the right players and the right teams. And so I actually went, they had a list of probably half the teams at that point, um, 10, 15, 20 teams, maybe NFL was probably about 28 teams then. Correct. And they said, Hey, if you can call them and get their, uh, the, the press book that they always give out. And at the time I was a Mariners, season ticket holder so they used to send season ticket holders the baseball same book so i knew exactly what they were talking about and so i called up media um, guide i believe is the formal term for it the what 
The media guy. That was media guy. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. I was trying. <laughs> so I called up every team. This is in the off season, and was like, "Hey, you know." And I had a little spiel that we had agreed on about um, what we were looking for, and and essentially, and and I don't mean this to sound racist or anything like that, but they they didn't want to have the wrong color person on the game. And, and so, and, and there had just been, I think another game and I don't even remember who did it or what it was that had had some issues with that, where the person was supposed to be uh, uh, an African-American person sure, and yeah. he was a white they, person. Yeah. The fucking football game on the quest, the NFL pro era is what it's called. Players in that are the wrong color, <laughs> which is crazy. Like Madden, Madden is uh, much bigger. You know, that's because it's this MetaQuest is kind of the wild, wild west to some degree. So the company that's doing that football game is nowhere near the scale of EA or anything. So it's not uh, nearly as surprising. But yes, I'm sure back then that was probably a huge fucking problem. Right. Well, uh, and especially because you're only going to get about what six colors of of a uh, six pixels worth of a face and, and dude and i'm like I said i'm playing it right now i have ma- I actually made a note in just recently there's a certain there's a tight end on the broncos that is a very very specific just like his head design basically it's more detailed and individualized for those headshots than i ever would have remembered or assumed to give expected credit to like joe montana in particular like his he looks, he's like movie starred up. He looks, his jawline and his little facial shit is, there's a lot of detail in those headshots, much more so than you would expect. Certainly more than the Tecmo Bowl, Super Tecmo Bowl headshots. There's only like a handful, a half dozen or eight or 10 or something different ones that they just use for different players. So again, just infinitely more detail in that game for this particular right. thing than most games and, of that era. And this was before all the, the Players Association had licensing um, I was, I'm a baseball and football card guide. So I kind of was familiar with that a little bit. And so I think you pretty much just had to get the, and, and that was the question. A lot of the teams were like, well, what are you doing? You know, and you know, how do you do this? And you know, it, it, it but I remember reading later that they, this was part of the collective I, bargaining stuff. I didn't think about that dynamic. Cause yeah, one of my, I was going to ask, like to me, it's insane from Nintendo's perspective that part of the negotiation with the players union, I understand the difference, fully understand the difference between the players and the, the players union and the NFL license itself. That's why you have like the NFL game that LJN did is just the NFL license, not the players. RBI baseball is just the players, not the teams. You know, you have that a lot with these games where they didn't want to spend the money for both, I guess. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm familiar with the differences there. It's just kind of mind blowing to me that part of sitting down and negotiating that with the players union wouldn't have included them having to provide this detailed information for Nintendo as part of the licensing fee. (laughs) It's crazy. I never contact. I don't think the players union was particularly organized in this aspect of things yet. And I think if we go and lined it up to the the different NFL strikes I believe 88 was one of the years for the 87 was the one a big one where they really lost a bunch of games and shit. That was the big one. Right. And then free, free agency, like the interim had, I know way too much about this. I'm a sicko with the NFL dude. Yeah. There was that interim period where they did the plan B free agency before the full on free agency started in 92, basically. So there was that like a five year period, I guess, interim period where the way teams, the way players could move freely between teams was 
possible, but still a little goofy. And then in 92, Reggie White was the big landmark change right. of this, where he signed that big deal, where he just did whatever the hell he wanted to do. <laughs> All came off the USFL stuff. Right. Right. So I don't believe when I was calling them that, that the Players Association had any sort of say in this sort of thing. I believe the NFL at this time was doing the licensing for both. I don't know this. Don't quote me on this directly, but I didn't because you're right. It would have been more natural for me to call the Players Association, talk to one of them people and be like, hey, we got it all. But right at this point, at least, at least through our license through the NFL, and I never saw it or read it or saw any of that, but this was how we went about this. And so okay. and Nintendo bootstrapped a lot of stuff like this, though. I mean, if, if you think about what I was saying about you know, the light licensee games earlier where they wouldn't even send them to us. You know, they were so, you know, they'd get them in from Japan and be so itching to get them out on the streets. They wouldn't, you know, send them to us and, and things like that. So sometimes we went out and bought them, you know, not very often, but occasionally. Um, or people would buy them individually and do like that. So they weren't afraid to just put some old fashioned, you know, uh, phone calls into it. And you get and then I started getting these books and then I made a list and 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 um pretty sure i probably did it by hand and uh uh i don't think we would have had excel yet and and so went through and kind of made it out and then they i think i ended up doing 12 there's eight teams right right yeah so you, you mentioned that they already they had handed you a semi pre-selected you know pairing down of yeah. the 28 total did were you given any explanation for why teams would have been omitted or I, mean, I guess the eight select, you know, I can, I think I can, I'm, like I'm playing through a playoffs, so I can do it from memory. It's, it, they're bigger cities, basically. It's New York, That's LA, uh, Washington, Chicago, Miami, Denver, uh, Houston. Uh, Houston, yes. And then what's the other? What's the last one? Whatever the case. These are larger cities. So I'm guessing that was the determinant, really. It's, it's just, okay, yeah. I did, I remember I did Seattle and we pushed really hard. Oh, San Francisco is the other one you're thinking of. Yeah. Uh, and we pushed really hard for Seattle and, you know, and, and, and geographically, if you notice that just is perfect geographic. I mean, that Miami would have been the only Florida or Southern really, uh, you know, except for Atlanta at that point. And I believe the Falcons were still awful. Mm -hmm. And so it covers a good geographic area, but that's what they mainly went with. And, and the Seahawks had never at that point hadn't been that good. They'd only been around for 12 years um 13 years so it was other other than large and not much to talk about at the time <laughs> I, I, no yeah yeah absolutely yeah and so that was that was the main thing was was just trying to cover the cut the country and if you're I, I think if i remember our license was just for eight teams okay so sure. if you had more it was going to cost you more and this was you know they were taking a chance with this game because most of the games before this were just, you know, Japanese games that were made, you know, remade to, for American sort of stuff. For, for I'm talking about from Nintendo. Maybe Punch-Out would have been an exception to that, uh, but probably was released in Japan the same time as released here. And even that's but an I, arcade port, technically. You know, they obviously modified it to work on the NES, but that's an arcade game originally. You're right. Yeah. So that's a good, yeah, so... So that's the kind of thing where I, it's interesting that that this was one of their very first, and you know we'd have to look at the list to see if what else had been before that. But as far as 
NOA light releases, this one started here. And before that, I think all the games started in Japan. Uh, and I had never thought about that. And honestly, American football, there's no really way to question that. <laughs> no, the rest of the world can care less about that. So that's it. And so that's blows you blow my mind a little bit that because you know they don't have the team names, they just have the cities. So the idea that the NFL was involved in this directly and it wasn't kind of a workaround to omit their I, I financial wonder, participation is nuts to me. There's no NFL license. No. On? Nope. So, yeah, there's okay, no, there's so no, maybe there's I, no light. There's, there's not on the game, and then the team names. It's just okay. Washington and San Francisco, and they have so, like obviously they're colored to kind of to look like the NFL team, but there's no mention of the team name anywhere. You know. Okay. So my presumption so was getting, always that. Yeah. I'm getting this mixed up a little bit, and I'll tell you why. I think when I was working on it originally, we didn't know what licenses we would have. Okay. So I think my calling of the teams was more on the down low. Oh, that's great. Okay. Do they have real player names? Yes. Yes. For so sure. We and like had, and likenesses too. Like I said, the, the headshots so, are plenty recognizable. You know. So we had the early license from the NFL Players Association, but they didn't have anybody backing up, which is why they, the low man on the totem pole, they have me call around <laughs> to get those things. And I bet if you look at the pictures, if you get a, a media guide from back then, from like the 89 season I or 88 season, I bet you'll find those pictures are exactly the same as what you're doing on there. They just yeah. scanned them in. Damn close. So I, I've read this. So, you know, who knows what, you know, the recounting of history. You were there. So obviously just tell me your perspective. But the I've read that the – because they're the 1990 rosters, and I believe when they – when uh, it had a two-page spread in – I don't know what issue it would have been, like 17 or 15, 16, something like that. Uh, when they, when the, because there was a problem with this game coming out too. It was delayed a full year, I think, at one point before it actually got out. Uh, but when they finally released it and it got its Nintendo Power feature that was actually like, it's out now. Here's some information about the game. It mentions how the rosters are current through like April 1990 or something like that. But, like you said, you started working on this in 88. So were you involved with, do you recall, like having to do this work more than once, basically, to update this shit? <laughs> so I started working on 89, I think. Maybe eight, late 88. Okay. I'd have to look it up. And, yeah, that would make sense. It would be, it makes sense there. But, yeah, no, I do remember getting a few of them. Yeah. And where, where I remember it is... Like I can see two of the Dolphins media guides, so they must be following years from my desk. Okay. Got so that. at some point, somebody else took it over. They had a team for it, but I did that initial run, and maybe just had my notes, and so I made the calls again, and then they did it like that. But I don't remember writing down the updated rosters. Yeah. But you know that I mean. Back then, I mean, it'd be interesting to know where you'd get those ones as of April because now we can all just look them up online or whatever. But when it's the off season, right? They wouldn't have been. Yeah, exactly. How would you have gotten any sort of current? And like you know, yeah. I mean, the draft is in April, so maybe that's so you get like the, the, the draft picks on there. Right. Well, so yeah, I, relatively easy to do. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, anything pre-internet. You know, I my that. 
I produce is primarily what I do. And there's just a million, I just can't fathom having to do the things that I do on a day to day basis pre-internet without like, again, those immediate answers available to you, logistics and just all these things. I just can't fathom having to find any information (laughs) prior to the internet for professional purposes. It's just blows my mind so i just can't even imagine how daunting even the simplest simplest of tasks might have felt uh trying to source info like that and and reliable info in particular where you feel like this needs to be accurate you know uh it was probably quite the daunting undertaking well later my my roommate jeff um who's probably one who gave me this project he produced all of the um uh, ken griffey jr baseball games and so and so it's the same sort of thing and and those has all of the it has all the mlb license sure and not the players though the players are made to the same you know you know same thing and then griffey of course is in there and right. stuff like that but, same thing it's like uh well yeah that, there's a like i said there's a lot of that where anytime they only had one it's license money. they always just did the thing of that represents the other thing it's just yeah. not they slightly tweaked it <laughs> Well, when you get when you get to that ep- episode or that issue, let me know because uh, I'm the second baseman for the Florida Marlins. Nice, nice, so, nice, nice. There's a lot. Well, of the, simple, the simple fact that uh, the the Florida Marlins exist shows you how far we are away from that. Considering we just did the January '91 issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that was the nice thing about having a, a roommate doing that. So he. Put you in the game. The other one they put me in, I'm in. If you look through the instruction book for the Adventures of Link, there is a creature enemies. Okay, a louder. Yeah. Oh, that's you. That's amazing. Okay. So I made the Zelda the Zelda wiki. I'm in there. My (laughs) my kid texted me other and said, "What what wiki are you in for Zelda?" And I I had to send him a link to it. I guess they were talking to friends. It's it's fantastic that that has social currency with the kids today, though. That's such a that's such a cool thing uh, because you wouldn't think a game from that long ago would. (laughs) Well, if you read the description of it, I do think that they they named it that name it after me for as an insult because it's a a slimy creature that crawls around the caves or something. And I'm like, I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah. What what's the what's the point of doing anything with a friend or a coworker who's semi a friend, whatever the actual relationship was, if if it's not gonna be shit talking and you know, some sort of chiding, what's the point of even getting out right. of bed? <laughs> I, I agree hundred percent. I had one of those uh Washington used to have these bright yellow when you had a vanity plate, and the the plate was bright yellow with green writing, and my license plate was my last name. And so, you know, whether they they just saw it and thought it was cool and just used it or it got they did it on purpose. I don't know who did it, but, you know, because they're just translating it from from the Japanese. And so um, fun fun either way. (laughs) It was was pretty fun. I should have gotten a T-shirt. Say again? I should have gotten a T-shirt printed. Oh, you should have. You still can. They're super easy to get printed. (laughs) The one last question about the ADS shit. I'm a massive Bills fan. Was there any chance of the Bills being in the game at all? No, none. Yeah, small market team. I wouldn't. Once you once you said that was the the the, the idea, I was like, yeah, okay, that's why. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, yeah, good teams though back then. For sure. That's that's kind of why it's it was semi. It's always before I really thought through the whole thing, the reasonings possible for it that are kind of just more practical than that. That was always the thing that was weird to me. It's like they were so good then. Like why, you know? But well, the they're not a tech- would get. 
because I believe it's it's done after the 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 uh, the Giants, right? The New York team is the Giants, right? And so I, I remember people calling up and complaining that it wasn't the Jets, and I would just <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's great. I would just not say the Jets have been terrible for thirty years. What do you mean? <laughs> I would let them come to that own conclusion because my it happened enough times and people would send them to calls to me. And, you know, and it wouldn't be their main complaint, but it'd be like something in that. And so I'd be saying it and I just, I wouldn't say anything. And then they'd start making those excuses that Jets fans always make. <laughs> and then they'd basically just talk themselves out of it. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. You said there was a period where you're off the phones and you're, you're thinking you're getting yourself out of that. And then they kind of plop you back down in the call center and you, you actually had a moment where you're formally getting escorted out, you know, sure. uh, Bill Murray Scrooge style, you know, like, uh, talk to me, talk, just give me that quick story, I guess. And we'll get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, it's Sandy and I had been talking a lot. And, and so it was something I know. And, and, uh, one of the things that, that is notorious for Nintendo is, is what they called hell week, which is that week after Christmas. And, Basically, Nintendo would give you unlimited overtime. Um, if you worked it, everybody got you got double time already. So, I mean, you I think people were making like triple time. It was some crazy thing like this. And Sandy was like, listen, take that week off. Um, you know, you're going to get paid anyway. Come back refreshed and make that, you know, make that push and come back. And then, you know, and literally they're just looking at the end of the day. Are you hitting your... 10 or 20 hours, whatever it is I had to do then. And I would try and I would try and I would try. And I just, you know, part of it is I had all these other things going on. You know, people asking me questions, you had all these other responsibilities. And so, you know, it just kind of was one of those things where it was a foregone conclusion, never held it against her. It was just kind of one of those things that came up. And then, so I guess it was more of a slow fizzle. And, um, and then it was just like, Hey, you know, they call you in the office. And of course at this point, I've still had the same desk that Caesar was talking about for, uh, you know, five years. And, and, and so I got a lot of crap. And so I, who the like, hell took I, it when you left? Do you know? Oh, I took everything. Yeah. No, no. Who took the desk? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> so I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll leave you one last story that, that I, I don't know why this sticks with me, but it was my favorite things. And, and maybe we've all done this in a, in an office before something similar is, you know, and you're in these regular cubicles. And because I was in the first run of them, we actually had the bigger ones, which was nice. And um, later on, some of the call center people were like, you know, elbows to each other. And so at the end of ours, one of those walls that got built as they were building it out, uh, there's a one of these non-descriptive uh, pictures, you know, that you see in every office that's just the wall art sort of crap. And sometime after no, it's the not a cat hanging from the thing, is it? It's not a... <laughs> you can't even tell really what it is, right? It maybe is a potted plant. Maybe it's a sunset. I, it's hard to tell. Well, at some point, I turned it upside down. And it sat upside down. And I got a chuckle after every time I looked at it for about two and a half years. And maybe that last six months I was there, somebody came in. And at and in the middle, I am on a, another call and they look by it and it's some executive that I didn't know who it was. And they look at it and they're like, that's upside down. 
and they walk down and there's no other one like it around. So you don't really know it's like that, but they walk down and they turn it over and they look at us and they kind of, you know, we're on the phone. So they never, you know, they want to be <laughs> upside down. So that night I, I turn it back upside down. And, and that's the first time anybody's ever noticed that it was upside down. Right. And so for the next week or two, it became this will of, you know, the guy would come back by and come and turn around and he got pissed and got pissed and more pissed. And then tell eventually a memo that Caesar was talking about was distributed to all six cubicles in that row. You had to kept that. Please tell me you kept that. I would have gleefully thrown away, but Caesar probably has it. <laughs> uh, told us that, that we basically would be fired if, if they found this turned upside down again. And, and it's dated and, and hand signed, not even photocopied, hand signed not only by this dude and uh, uh, but by like our boss and not not Sandy, but like her boss. And so I'm like, so do you think your boss knew it was you? Um, I don't know if it ever made it to Sandy because I don't think it was like one of those sort of things. This guy probably only knew Rob, who was her boss, and probably just went right to that level. So yeah. did the six people in the cubicles, including my direct supervisor, know? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was great. And and I worked till seven. Well, every call center I ever worked in, I like working that later shift because they're all gone at five or four, right? So we're all kind of just there doing our own thing. That's why so much baseball stars got played. <laughs> and, you know, and one thing that Caesar said this in in and I just I guess I'll leave you one more other thing is you have to understand the complexity of, of playing your game, whatever it might be, especially some of these early games that wouldn't pause and answering a question about a completely different game. And, and yeah, like Caesar said, uh, you know, 75% of your questions you'd, you'd, you'd gotten before, but you'd get those ones and you'd be right at that stuck point and you'd be like, you know, you have to get, <laughs> you know, it's like somebody at the front door when you're playing at home, you know, and right. you're like, Ugh! and then you got to come over here and, and, and look up the answer to this. Um, thank God when the computer came out or God forbid, you got to flip through and find it. But, and again, in the, you know, this is the first world problems. And, and even above I that, say, I think, you know, I think, you know, Greg, but you don't, this, the, the amount of for good fortune of a place to be in life at that age is <laughs> to have that be in your problem at work. Right. Fucking no, I, I'm, not <laughs> I'm just saying it was one of those things that, that made it for interesting sort of thing. And that, if that was the only angst I had in my life, it was great, but no, I do 100% appreciate it. I mean, I, it got to the, I mean, I, I, I remember one time, Mr. When we were kind of getting to be a bigger company, you know, I saw Mr. Arakawa, who was, um, you know, the president of Nintendo America. I, I'm a wedding DJ. And I saw him at a, at a wedding venue that he was he was a member of the golf club there. And I'm loading in my gear and he's got his uh, golf clubs. He's putting in his Miata, his red Miata. And he looks at me and he goes, hi, Greg. And I to have that, you know, I've been there a couple of years at that point. I've been in a dozen meetings with him at this point. But to have you know, the boss know who you were in a big company. At this point, there were probably six, seven, eight hundred people in, in Nintendo America was something I never forgot. 
and and you know you asked Caesar about playing other video games and other systems and stuff and until I my uh, I got an Xbox I never went was unloyal never bought a Sega never did that always spent my money with Nintendo and even now the only thing I play is my Switch and and you know to have that kind of loyalty and feel that way 30 years later cool man uh, yeah no that's cool yeah i can only it would probably be i can see it being super tough with that kind of yeah. life life experience to, to to let go of it in any way shape or form they were good folks and, and we really appreciate it so hey, i love cool. your podcast i think you guys do a great job and and uh man i'm gonna i like you said i'm gonna find an emulator and play that play me a little ns yeah, i did, did. There's a little bit of st- emotional startup cost with that RetroArch program I mentioned. Figuring out there's right. they're called cores and you got to get that's like applicable for each game system. But once you get all that stupid stuff smoothed out, and there's of course YouTube videos to talk you through that 15, 20 minutes of your life. Once you do that, it's seamless and a blast, and you just plug the controllers in. Your Xbox controller even will just plug in, and you can play with that right there, plug and play. So it's, uh, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. If you don't have a means of playing those old games uh, whenever you want, that's you got to do it. You got to do it. I, I kept one of my old analog big TVs to to hook them up to eventually. So okay, and I got the little mini ones, but I I, d- I definitely want to gotta do it the OG it. way, man. I got a I I have an NES satellite that I play with, so I can literally play across the room without having the cords draped off. My dog knocking the Nintendo off and stuff. <laughs> so oh, yeah, very achievable uh, these days, even with awesome. the old school. Um, hardware. Cool man. Well, thank you so much. And you're a better thank man you. than I. On the way out, I just stopped and told the boss that signed that piece of paper that I was the one flipping the picture up over. <laughs> well, there Thanks. was to put it in his office at some point, but we didn't. So <laughs> Again, upside better, down, of course, better man than I, uh, I'm, I'm petty like that. Uh, just for the fun of it, not even this actual, uh, like, you know, negativity, just, it's fun no, to do that. Man, I, 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 <laughs> keep in touch. Right. Absolutely. Take, take care. Thanks, Greg. Thank you so much. Take man. Care.